Welcome back to the Spiritually Minded Podcast. Today, I am here with my friend, Cheryl Bishop. And Cheryl and I have been friends for like a really long time, at least for me. <laughs> I, <laughs> been, I agree. Yeah, it's been like nine years, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say eight or nine years. So totally. Yeah. Right on the um, track. Yeah, we met at the CrossFit gym. And Cheryl's been on my other podcast, Perspective Detective, back in the early years when I was doing something a little bit different. And I'm really excited to have her back on here because she loves the Savior. And one thing that I think everybody already knows about Cheryl, and most of you probably don't know Cheryl that are listening, but if you need to feel the love of Jesus Christ, hang out with Cheryl Bishop because she just exudes love. And I'm really excited to have her on here and and for this talk. Oh, so this one is, Sir, We Would Like to See Jesus by Elder Robert M. Danes. And and we'll just jump in. Let's just start talking about what stood out to us. And so he, oh, so this face blindedness thing. He yeah, talks about yeah. like in the very beginning, he talks about this face blindness thing. And I actually had a friend that had face blindness and we used to watch The Bachelor together. And it was really funny <laughs> to watch it with her because she's that would she be. would be like, wait, which one is that? And we would have to like re-explain it to her. <laughs> Right. But yeah, it's a real thing. And she told us some experiences that she had like in college when she would get put in groups and she would write everybody's names and then the rules of how she would remember them. And she said she was really embarrassed one time because one time she was with an African-American who had a really big black fro afro. And yeah. so she wrote his name and wrote big black afro. And he looked over and was like, wow, that's really rude. And she's oh. like, no, no, you don't understand. And he just left. And she's like, it's just really awkward. To have to remember rules to see people's names, yeah. Or to remember can, their, to remember who they are. To, yeah, because it's a totally different way of coming to know someone than we generally think of. But I love how he explains that sometimes it's like the way the freckles are or the shuffle of someone's gait. And I thought actually that I can relate to because mm-hmm. I think each of us have had the had those moments where we knew it was someone by their body language yeah like when you see someone from really far away and you like mm -hmm. you really can't see them but you Mm -hmm. know that that's you know who it is like you know that's your husband or you know that's your daughter even though you can't really see them I almost feel like it's a feeling too yeah oh I think that's that is definitely so and I I think that ties right into actually the very first line of the talk where it says and I don't think actually it's not part of the talk it's like the subheading it says we want to see Jesus for who he is and to feel his love. And so I think that kind of actually, if we're talking about feelings is like spot on, it's this feeling that we have this connection with the person that you wouldn't have if you hadn't worked to understand or get to know them. Yeah. Well, and isn't it interesting too? I mean, we're talking about like having rules for knowing someone and how sometimes those rules to know them can actually block well, this is this is what he talks about in his whole talk, right? But when we place emphasis on the rules for knowing them, then it blocks the feeling to be able to know them because we've set up like these preset boxed in ideas of what that person must be and therefore like closed ourselves off to really get to know them. Yeah. Yeah. He says, you know, like he says, he's like, and he said himself, he kind of put his mom in that place. And then how many times have each of us done that with God. He, you know, he says, 
where is it? I suspect you know someone, perhaps you are someone who suffers with a kind of spiritual face blindness. You may mm-hmm. struggle to see God as a loving father. And he then he talks about how like in, instead you see all those rules. That was actually something I thought was really beautiful because it's only, as I was actually telling you this a little earlier, it's only this year that I've really expanded my personal testimony to really love Jesus, I guess God through Jesus in the Bible. And that sounds super silly from someone who is like, who's felt like a really solid Christian her whole life. And I went to like, like Bible study groups with friends that of other faiths and everything, but I never like had that feeling that I knew the words of the scriptures and as well as I do feel that now, but I, I think it was because I was really focused on making sure I was trying to follow these, these rules. And what's actually interesting, I was listening to this with my daughter, who's a teenager, and she mentioned it took a really long time to get through the talk, actually, because she kept asking to stop, which was a kind of fun opportunity. And she told me she also knew someone, her math teacher last year was had face blindness. And we talked a little bit about that. But she she and I had an opportunity to discuss how, as a teenager, it's really easy not only to see your parents as just the rule makers, but their faith is more about the rules and less about the faith and less about that feeling of coming to know Christ. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I just, you know, you're talking about how we think about the rules so often that we forget, we forget to, to allow ourselves to feel. And that Mm -hmm. is where that, that's that the rules have to come into place with if you are if experiencing face blindness as opposed to when we are talking spiritually really trying to allow our, our hearts and our spirits to connect and to come to understand the love that God has for us as we study the scriptures and listen to the music of that's faith-based and uplifting and to connect with others whether they are you're in your family or your neighbors, or maybe even just, you know, strangers you meet on the street. Yeah. So what I thought of actually in that in this very same paragraph, I also highlighted it that you may struggle to see God as a loving father. You may look heavenward and not see the face of love and mercy, but a thicket of rules through which you must wend your way through. And I actually thought of human nature and how I wa- I once heard somewhere and I can't remember which way it was, but Basically, the same way that or whatever way that we see God, we can only see ourselves or others just like a couple steps removed. And and maybe then or maybe it's also the other way around, which still works like whatever way we see ourselves and we see other people, we will only be able to see God just a couple steps above. And the reason why I thought this was really interesting was because the more that we like if we can see God as more loving rather than as more rules-based, then we can be able to relate to other people as well in a more loving way rather than so rules-based and rigid and judgment, right? Like if we are seeing God as just a judge, right? A harsh judge even, then of course we're going to judge ourselves and others very harshly and, and live really an unhappy life. That reminds me, and I don't know the actual term, but of the principle that I feel like is maybe 
maybe something I learned through some of my personal development studies, but it's that the, the things that you see in others, like, you know, is, is just a reflection of things that you already have in yourself. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. you, you're not, you're not, you don't have that awareness that it's something that you have until maybe you explore it through these connections that we have with these beautiful people that are in our lives. Yeah. So, and I think that definitely applies, you know, like you said, is if, if we can, can practice working on, you know, becoming more loving, then we'll see a more loving father in heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's just kind of a, kind of a symbiotic thought pattern. Mm-hmm. Another part that I thought was of note was so elder Danes says, he says, I thought my life was about following rules and measuring up to abstract standards. Mm-hmm. I knew that God loved you personally, but it didn't, I didn't feel like it myself. I was, he says, I'm afraid I thought more about getting into heaven than being with my heavenly father. And I just wrote like, he, I would imagine that, you know, the, the thought is kind of like, what's in it for me. Right. right? right. And, and that's again, like totally relatable. You know, this is a very natural thing that a lot of us think like, what's in it for me, you know, like just very outward. If I do this, then what am I going to get from it? Yeah. And, and it's just this shift, like from going inward of like, I love heavenly father and I want to be with him. And, Mm -hmm. and there's still like, yeah, that's, that's what's in it for me is right. Is like that I get what I want, which is to be with heavenly father, but it's just so much more of an inward feeling than an outward projection. No, I, I agree. I, I love that line as well, because it does kind of stop help you stop to think, am I working towards the goal of getting to heaven just to obtain that goal? Or am I working to become the person that will be, that will want to be in the presence of, of heavenly father, of my heavenly parents, because there's a difference. And that's, that's something I definitely have come to understand that our heavenly father and our savior, they want us there, but in the end, are we going to be prepared? Will we have practiced the habits that have helped us to be worthy to be there? And it's the worthiness is something that I think is a lot of our own perception based on our actions, but are we acknowledging the Christ-like qualities that we have worked on? And of course, having that meekness and that humbleness and repenting as we need, which we need daily, obviously, but I love that, that really, I really do, because it also helped me to think about, am I just doing the things to check the box or am I doing the things because they help me to be who I know Heavenly Father wants me to be. And so again, it's more than just reaching for a goal to get it and check the box. It's doing it because of who I'm becoming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just made me think about parenthood and the idea of the simple things with like clean your room, right? Hey kids, go clean your room, go clean your room. And like, are they listening to me because they feel like they have to obey their mom? And am I telling them to do it just because I'm their mom and I think I can just tell them to do something, right? Like, am I just trying to be an authority figure or am I coming from a place of love of, I promise if your room is clean, then you're going to feel so much better. 
right? And yeah. what if they could then look at it of like, oh, mom is telling us to clean our room because she knows something that we don't. Yeah. And and we want to be able to enjoy a clean room and, you know, a space that is comfortable. Yeah. I could talk a whole lot about how much I agree with that because of how I feel like it's that it's a very similar, like, are you doing, are they doing that just because mom said so to check the box so that then they can move on to whatever their privileges or whatever, or are they doing it and actually learning from the habit of cleaning, of making your bed, of cleaning your room, whatever. And I actually, that allowed me to kind of step back and reflect, you know, are, where are the areas of my life that I still am just checking a box versus practicing a habit that I am looking for those growth experiences. The, the very next part is that is where they talk about the actual quote from the scriptures in John, where they, the, the disciples say, sir, we would like to see Jesus. And just a little, a little bit down below, it talks about, where is it? Let me see if I can find it. Um, I didn't see, maybe I'll just read a little bit. He says, oh yeah he says that is what we all want we all want to see jesus for who he is and to feel his love this should be the reason for most of what we do in the church and and then a little bit later my daughter again who was listening to it thought, thought this part was so funny she said if you're wondering what kind of lesson to teach what kind of meeting to plan and whether just to give up on the deacons and to play dodgeball you might take this verse as your guide will this help people to see and to love jesus if not, maybe try something else. I love this part too. I wrote, I actually wrote on the side what's needed because I'm, I'm also in the, in the young women's right now. And so we come up with a lot of activities and I was like, you know what? This could actually take off a lot of pressure. We don't have to be clever and we don't have yeah. to do something fun all the time. And it just, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like there's a lot of pressure to do a really good activity. That's going to make people come. I'm like, no, we don't have to be clever. All we have to ask is is this going to help people see and love Jesus? Yeah. So my daughter, she said, she said, like, I like that idea, but it also feels kind of silly. Like she said, for example, one time they were playing pickleball and at the end, one of the leaders was, and it felt really random and I can understand it. She said, one of the leaders was like, okay, so how can we see Jesus in this? Mm-hmm. And so what I see, knowing what it's meant, like when it's like to be a leader that sometimes is like, oh, we didn't have a pl- meet, something really well planned. So let's do this activity. But then remembering like, hold on, let's bring the kids to Christ. And I said, maybe what she had intended was to start with that and say, hey, guys, while you're playing t- pickleball, look for ways that playing a game like pickleball with your you know, fellow sisters in the gospel helps you to see Christ. And Mm -hmm. I said, and maybe if she had started with that, then you would have then had something at the end that felt like you didn't, maybe you didn't think about it for more than a few minutes for that whole hour or whatever you're playing pickleball. But then at the end, when she said that she had helped you to, to bring that to your, the forefront of your mind. And so it wouldn't have felt so odd. And, um, and I, so I, cause it's like, yeah, I think about all the times that I can remember the young men playing basketball growing up. Or, you know, maybe as young women, we got together and did something crafty or whatever. Um, and I'm, sh- I'm sure it's like you said, there's this feeling that the activity has to be cool enough that the kids will come. But in the end, it just is really 
simple. And that actually, I was listening to a talk by Sister uh, Patricia Holland, and she said, God wants us to know that the gospel is simply beautiful and beautifully simple. Mm. And I think that it, it kind of proves the point that really, yes, there's some really fun and super exciting types of activities that we can plan. But in the end, if we can help the kids have those moments where they feel loved, not only by their peers and by their leaders, but that that, that will translate to feeling like he says in the talk that we uh, can feel the love that Jesus has for us, then that was actually a successful activity, whether it was attended by two or three girls or the entire young women's group. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I feel like God can be found in all things. Yeah. And I I love the thought of going into it, looking for true principles, looking for the love of Jesus, looking for things that can bring us closer to Christ, because that can change the experience. And yes, it de- it definitely can be done, like in the reverse. Um, but I do, I like the idea of even just starting our day, right? Like just our day-to-day of just starting it with, how can I find Jesus today in yeah. the mundane things that I'm doing? And you will find it. He's there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I love, I love the the idea of looking for it in the mundane and the simple in the everyday, because that is the realistic part of what our lives are like. We've all gone to some kind of a, I was going to say either a girl's camp or even, you know, just a conference where whatever the topic is, whether it's personal development or gospel focused, you get that like huge, that huge dump of, of growth in that space. And taking the example of girls camp, I don't know a single person that goes to girls camp and doesn't come away having felt the spirit um, and them feeling so excited. However, that one moment will not be enough to help them to see and know God. It will just be like, oh, that was really cool. But then when they, if they forget to look on those in the every day, then they won't get to really know and recognize his voice and in mm-hmm. fact that's what that's what he says in that one of the last little section parts of that section he said when i realized i was spiritually face blind i saw th- that i saw the rules but not the face of the father's mercy i knew that it wasn't the church's fault it wasn't god's and it didn't mean everything that was lost it means it meant some it meant that there was something we all have to learn even the early witnesses of the resurrection to the resurrection often came face to face with the resurrected Lord, but did not recognize him. From the garden tomb to the shores of Galilee, his first followers saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. They had to learn to recognize him, and so do we. And so I think that is where looking for Jesus, looking for the Lord, the love of the Lord in the everyday parts of our life are really truly how we come to understand that it's not just living a life of rules, but of practicing becoming and feeling as he would have us feel, which is truly with charity and with love each day. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought about that too. Why didn't they recognize him? 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and the first thought that came to my mind was, well, they were probably just so focused on themselves and their own pain and what they were going through. They weren't looking for him. And Ooh. yeah, you know, no, I, I think that actually has a lot to do with it. If you think that they were most likely in a space of grief. Yeah, exactly. They were. Yeah. I, know, I mean, we assume they knew, right? Oh, his first followers. Actually, we could look back. It's right there in John. I think my takeaway from that moment is, you know, even if they did, they like, they were part of the the group of followers that were there and knew that he had said he would be resurrected. There often isn't a full understanding. You know, sometimes some people understand, I mean, that's life. Some, some of us pick things up really quickly. Some of us take a little longer, but the scripture, there's a reference, John chapter 20. And there's a couple in verse four. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and first came, came first to the sepulcher and he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. And then skip over to verse 14. This is a little later. So first they had been there. Um, actually, so they looked, he wasn't there. In verse 10, the disciples went away again into unto their own home. And then, but Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping. And then verse 14, and when she, oh, uh, the, it's, let me just go back. Let me go back again can't even skip that she stood it without the sepulcher weeping and as she wept stooped down so she was in that space of grief and looked into the sepulcher seat and see two angels in white sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of jesus had lain and they said unto her woman why weepest thou she saith unto them because they have taken away the lord and i know not where they laid him and when she had said thus said she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. So she truly was in that space of grief. Yeah. And as I've been coming to, to be okay with my, all of my, my insecurities and my infirmities and my, my sins, you know, the idea of repenting daily, sometimes it's not for something as an, like as intentional as, stealing something or even yelling at someone on the freeway, you know, something like very obvious, but sometimes it's in that moment, she wasn't intentionally doing anything wrong. She was in a space of grief yet. Mm -hmm. She had allowed herself to forget what she already knew, which was that our savior was, he had told them I'll be resurrected. And so in that moment, I believe she looked up to him with, at him with eyes clouded by a different a different focus yeah yeah well it very much shows me that these were people yeah. regular people yeah and also shows me how much patience and compassion the savior really has for us you know like yeah. he's he yeah. says and they're like i told you i was coming back you know yeah yeah but but also he doesn't say it really in a rebuking way he says it in in a loving way and he you know, he just never, he never holds that against them that they yeah. didn't recognize him. And I well, love that. I love to think that if, then what is he not holding against me when I don't recognize him or when I don't turn to him? Yeah. And, yeah. but then that thought just makes me want to turn to him more mm-hmm. and to seek him even more. 
I think that what you just said there is actually the other part. It's how we overcome our spiritual face blindness. It's, it's like he said, it, he saw his mom as the rule maker, she who must be obeyed. But he said, it's not two years later that he came to see her as a real person that he noticed that he never, you know, that she had sacrificed things, you know, like new clothes and, and sleep and time to herself. So mm -hmm. it's not until we come to see the, the sacrifice and the, the unrelenting or un, un, unending patience that our savior has for us, that then we begin to see him. Yeah. I, I wrote a, a little bit later where he talks about covenants and God's embrace. I wrote about how it's not until we, we really look at someone that you can re remember like the details of their face. And I know we're not talking about that, but I thought about well, who are the element or who are the teachers I remember growing up? And it's the teachers that spent a fair amount of time with me and spent time helping and that I felt, I felt like loved by, I guess. And, and I was trying to think like, what is the cycle? What does that look like in a relationship? Whether it's, you know, like obviously teachers are not a romantic relationship. Those are just my educators that I'm like excited to learn from, but you can apply mm -hmm. it to relationships with, with loved ones, like your children or parents or spouse or, or partner, however that looks. And I thought, well, before someone gets to be loved, there has to be something that I felt drawn into them or something, this attraction. And as you, you, and, and I think it goes back to, like you said, like having those characteristics that are helping you to be loving and looking for the good in others. So you have those characteristics. And then as you do that, you begin to see the way they reciprocate. And as that, then that creates a value where you're like, okay, I want to feel a more connection. And that's when you start learning the details of the person maybe it, and it's, it's something as simple as the color of their hair, the structure of their face, but it then also includes things like, what are their likes? What are mm -hmm. their dislikes? And I think that is similar as we are, as we understand all that our savior has done for us, all the sacrifices he has and will continue to make because we're still not perfect. We're still going to make mistakes. Then there becomes a greater desire to come to understand who he is and the things he likes and dislikes, which is kind of simple. He likes us to be righteous and he dislikes us to be unrighteous. That's obviously really black and white, which isn't how life is, but he, he likes us and he'll take us where we are. I love Meaning, that you said he likes us. Because mm -hmm. yeah. that, you know, that has a whole different level of you know, you can love everyone, but we always say like, <laughs> you have to love everyone, but you don't have to like everyone. But yeah, Jesus likes you. Ooh. And you how a shirt? cool. Yes. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> likes you. He doesn't just love you. He also likes you because he knows you. Yeah. And I love that thought of thinking like, no, he thinks you're adorable and endearing yeah. and, you know, 
all the things. Yeah. Cause he can see the good, even on your craziest, hardest, hairiest days. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And you mentioned the section on, on covenants. I underlined the part that says our covenants are fundamentally about relationships. Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah. They're about relationships. They're what bind us to our heavenly father. Yeah. Because he likes us and he wants to be around us. He wants us to be able to come home to him. And and that's that's his way is through covenants. For a really long time, my only testimony was that Heavenly Father loves me. And it was it was so simple and it's all I had. And I didn't understand, you know, the church and the restoration and the Book of Mormon. Like I didn't really have a testimony of it. It was like, you know, I I'd been fed, like it is true, and and things like that. And I was like, okay, that's cool. All I know is that my Heavenly Father loves me. And and though it was very, very simple, it was enough to make me keep trying and keep going and keep yeah. striving to learn and keep, you know, figuring it out and and getting up and showing up. And I'm, I mean, I'm just so grateful that that's where my testimony was versus, you know, sometimes people's like testimony is based off of other things, which is, you know, very easy to, to kick down or disprove or something, but nobody could ever take away from me that heavenly father loves me. That makes me think of, you know, we just studied Corinthians a month ago and we talked about spiritual gifts and, you know, I don't remember the quote right or the, the reference right at this moment, but it says that the greatest of all gifts is the gift of charity. So maybe the secondary would be the gift of receiving charity because nobody could take away, take that away from you. And mm-hmm. I, I actually agree. I agree that if you know that God loves you, if you know that, that you, there is Christ-like love in your life, then even through all the crazy and even through the stormy days, and even when someone throws something in your face completely unexpected, then there's going to be a reason to continue looking for evidence of Christ's love, of God's love, and the Holy Ghost will be there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, yeah. I mean, it's just really helped to, I don't know, I've I've never been like a big questioner. And I guess I just feel like I haven't needed to question because, because I know God loves me. I know that that it's going to be okay and that it's going to work out and I don't have to understand everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because I know he loves me and that's fundamental. So. I agree. I totally agree. I'm kind of in the same boat. <laughs> I don't have to know everything. I know the things that I do need to know and God's going to continue to, things are going to work out in, in his plan as it needs to be. I I also really like the section that you brought up about our covenants are fundamentally about relationships. And then there's two other points I liked. Our challenges to understand the shape of our sorry, our challenges to understand and shape our life to that love is talking about God's love. And then the very last part where it says covenants are the shape of God's embrace. So we have the line that says God wants us to see our covenants, or it says the prophets, but it wants us to see our covenants are about relationships and covenants are the shape of God's embrace. And I guess I just wanted to like sit in that. What does that mean? Like, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? What does that mean to each? It might mean a little bit different, look a little bit different, you know, because I don't think I ever really thought about the shape 
of God's embrace, the shape of God's love. Mm -hmm. And, but then also- I I like that. I like that word, right? I like that he used a different word than what we normally would hear would be like, well, that's God's rules (laughs) or his method or (laughs) his, I don't even know, (laughs) commandments. That's the- irrevocable decree i don't know all these like big scary type words it's just the shape of god's embrace i just like that it is said differently that's that's how he does it that's how he paints things Mm. yeah well and and it's you said you know shape is kind of something that takes you back to maybe your elementary even pre-elementary school days Mm -hmm. and learning shapes and maybe we get to adulthood or wherever we are in our lives and we have gotten so focused on the rules of how to make the shape that we don't know actually what the shape looks like or what the shape feels like. Hmm. And if we can kind of allow ourselves to simplify it and come to a space where we remember we, we make covenants and we value those covenants because that's a way that God shows his love. That's like one of the big ways God shows his love. And then it can simplify a lot. Yeah. Just, yeah. just like the life of a child. Right. Definitely thinking about shapes does, I think, yeah, simplifies. It just, there's not a lot of question about it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I don't know. I, I I don't know how to say like what's in my head. Well, that's um, that's exactly as I was like, oh my gosh, like this is like I want to like journal just on this. What does that mean for me? And so maybe that's like a challenge. Like, hey, if you you know have thoughts, share them. What is what is the shape of God's embrace mean or look like or feel like for me personally? Mm-hmm. And then, and I don't then know, I guess I just, I just love this thought that it's not that complicated. Mm-hmm. I think that's really all I'm trying to say is it's not that complicated. He just loves you and covenants are how he shows his love for us. And he knows that that's what will help us bind ourselves to him because it's about relationship and it's not that confusing. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it brings back that the gospel is beautifully simple. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's land on that. Cheryl, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. You are just incredible. So much fun. And thank you for having a space to share the love I have. And I know you have for God and for the words that we have to, to uplift our lives. Yep. Absolutely. All right. We'll see you next week.